0: Good day and welcome to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry, and we are well on our way into season 9 where we are looking at films that have won the Oscar for Best Picture and for today's one we are observing the 87th Academy Award winner and that is the comedy drama Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance written and directed by Alejandro G. Inayitu and starring a star-studded cast including Michael Keaton, Edward Norton, Naomi Watts, Emma Stone and Zach Galifianakis A film perhaps made for actors or people in the movie industry at first glance, but after watching this movie about a washed-up actor trying to make a comeback on Broadway, the film actually extends its initial thoughts from the trailer and synopsis into something much more thought-provoking. A film that prompts the question of the inner struggle or intimate battles with yourself, done visually, without fussing about realism, portraying it masterfully on screen during this two-hour drama. One thing is to be said about films that win the Oscar, they should normally be films that challenge the norm or what Oscar-winning films usually do, and I preached about this earlier, is that certain genres seem to scoop the Academy's most prestigious awards more so than others. They frequently fall into the biopics, the dramas, the war stories, but this one is probably none of them. A drama at best but you can say that about every single film that a film is a drama and if that and you know if you're being lazy all films are dramas but nonetheless you know this film is a drama you wouldn't theoretically be wrong by calling it a drama but it's so much more what Birdman is doing is extending out the thought of the profession of an actor or star and trying to bring them down to our lives and level in terms of seeing what a person goes through in the limelight with battles we tend to have dare I say as normal people the struggles with work, with being respected, with expectations, family, reputation. These are all things everyone goes through, everyone's mind, and an actors shouldn't be any different. If anything, it's worse because you have a lot more eyes on you scrutinizing your life, your career, your mistakes, your money, your love life, and worst of all, your performance and everything, how you look, who you date, what you eat, the film choices you make, and how good you were in this, that, and the other, and having 50 experts criticizing your work as an actual profession. People, people making money by taking um, photos of Your downfall, your fashion clashes, your double chin, your waistline, it's a brutal world in the limelight and some people look past it simply for the fact that they're well off, rich, good looking some of them and are dressed nicely. I mean, imagine if that happened to us, most people wouldn't survive and if you get closer to your inner thoughts when you're alone, you start to see the truth of who you really are. We always find ourselves talking to ourselves now and again and we never really stop to think who it is we're talking to but it is sometimes needed to be done to reach that inner self. Who we're talking to is usually irrelevant. It's the effect it has on you when you do talk to yourself. Now, one thing a credible about this movie and what many people were undoubtedly on board with in myself included was the return and comeback of Michael Keaton which was long overdue blessed the screens as a lovable father slash snowman in Jack Frost his little eccentric cult performances Beetlejuice dropping in on B-movie crime films like Out of Sight and Tarantino's Jackie Brown but back in 1988 Michael Keaton was the man of the hour the man of the year beating out 500 actors for the first proper live action movie of the Cape Crusade Batman Speaking of Batman, in fact, that Birdman suit that Michael Keaton wears was made on a mannequin of his own body from Batman. Some loved it, some hated it, but Michael Keaton donned the Batman cape in two films. He was an A-lister that we have now recently come to love, thanks to Birdman. Now, somewhere in the 90s, though, Michael Keaton, he sort of faded away for reasons unknown to us. And this film, Birdman single-handedly smashed him out back in the A-listing worldwide world of fame in this most ironic fashion ever. A film about an old mega Star trying to revitalize his acting career by doing something distinct. Now, I know bats are not birds, they're mammals, but they got wings, so near enough. The fact this film swung very close to home with his acting choices was one of the big reasons this film succeeded. Like having Edward Norton's character in Birdman being very abrasive and difficult to work with. It's the reason why Norton didn't return for The Incredible Hulk. There was a funny instant in the movie where Keaton and Norton were rehearsing their script for the first time and Norton commented about it and Alejandro the director reminded him that it was in fact what he was doing as a character in this very movie. So yeah, they pay homage to the actors that are playing these characters. The irony was beautiful. I mean, these actors are basically playing parodies of their own careers. There is even a small piece of dialogue in the movie that says Regan hasn't played Birdman since 1992, which, coincidentally, is when Michael Keaton last played Batman in Batman Returns. So it's funny when it's ironic is my saying now originality is lacking and this film was nothing but unique and it's the big contributor on why this film was so effective at the academies not to mention it was about actors in general so it was a little love letter to hollywood from actors everywhere i mean i love michael keaton i was so excited to see his name up there on the poster even if he was only a sub-character or a little cameo but he's the title character he is birdman and he's the you know he's the person the film revolves around it's how i'm feeling about brendan fraser at the moment i mean i saw him in Sudden move that Steven Sodenberg film, and I can see what the fans are calling a renaissance coming, as fans are calling him. And he's just been re- um, speaking of Batman, he's just been casted as a villain for Batgirl. So I'm happy to see Brendan Fraser's career go skyrocketing. I mean, he's working on uh, with Darren Aronofsky soon, um, which is another you know A list and director. So I can't wait to see what he does next. And hopefully, you know, this is the comeback for Brendan Fraser. Like it much as uh, Michael Keaton used Birdman as his revival for his uh, comeback. But, you know, Michael Keaton, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, right after this movie, he was in another Best Picture film, Spotlight, which won the year after. Then The Founder, that McDonald's film, the new 9-11 film, Worth on Netflix, really great film. He played the main villain in the Spider-Man film, so he put his authority on the MCU universe. American Assassin, Tim Burton's Dumbo, the Oscar-nominated The Trial of Chicago 7. I mean, he is hot property right now, just came a little late in his in his career, and Birdman is essentially the reason why he kickstarted again. Okay, so Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, which sets records all by itself. I mean, it's the first Oscar-winning film to have Parathis in its title. It's also the first Oscar-winning film, believe it or not, to have the letter X in its title, which I had to scan through all the way back to 1929 because I didn't quite believe the stat, but it is true um random and useless fact however though other records i mean it's the second longest titled movie to win best picture after can anyone guess and no i will not be doing a podcast on it that's right it's the 2003 epic the lord of the rings the return of the king coming out on um i think it had 10 words in it if i'm counting right yeah and birdman had seven again very useless but interesting facts for some people now, speaking of the title, now, if you play, pay close attention to the movie, you can actually find out that the movie's subtitle, The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, is revealed to be the title of the play review from the film critic Tabitha in the movie, and she's writing right at the end of the movie, so it's an interesting little sub meaning to why they've put the title there, but as Alejandro says, it's up to your interpretation. So this film had similar stories to that of what happened with Luc Besson's film, Leon, or The Professional, if it's called in some places, depending if you're in Europe or North America. Um, it's that film with uh, Natalie Portman and Luc Besson. It's a great film, fantastic film. So what I mean by similarities is when Luc Besson went on to make The Fifth Element, I think Bruce Willis injured himself or something like that, and they had to halt production for like two months or so while he recovered. Now, in that time, Luc Besson thought, well, why not shoot another movie? I've got everyone here. I've got the crew. So he, really, he, wrote, really, he wrote a film really quickly. I think it was like the during shooting actually, um about a hitman who trains this little girl. Um and obviously they went on to make Leon as starring Jean Renault in a debut role for Natalie Portman and it turned out to be a cult classic of the two and the most successful in terms of critically acclaimed and financially too. So it was half the budget, half the time, and made the most money. And it's the most remembered of the two. Now, don't get me wrong. Fifth Element is also a pretty cool movie and a cult classic for you know of its own. But nonetheless, Leon has survived the better. Naturally, both films have got Gary Oldman as the bad guy in it. So, I mean, he used the same actors as well. It's interesting, in uh, Fifth Element, completely off topic here, the good guy and the bad guy in Fifth Element never meet in the movie, which I always find a really cool fact. I mean, there's not many films that do that. But let me know if you can think of any. Just uh, Instagram me. I'll be Interested to hear any of those, but anyways, the relevance of this was that Alejandro was about to shoot The Revenant, a film that went on to win Best Director, his second Best Director. But Leonardo was shooting Wolf of Wall Street at the time, so he decided, well, well hold on, let me just, um, I'll do another movie and I'll shoot this one. And he thought about he thought about doing this movie for a while, and he thought, okay, let's do uh, Birdman because you know it, it happens in one place pretty much in this long takes. Now, unlike Leon, both films was a massive success, but one was done with half the money and half the time. In fact, it's it is like. Leon, to be honest, because Birdman won the Oscar for Best Film and the Revenant didn't, so there you go. I mean Revenant's still a fantastic film and everyone loves it, but it did not win the Oscar for Best Film. However, like I said, both films did get Alejandro Best Director and back to back as well, who is the only, I think, the only third director in history to do that, to win back-to-back Oscars, which is um Incredible to be honest. I think John Ford did it with two films, A Graph of Rape and How Green Was My Valley, and Joseph Makowitz, who did that in the 50s, A Letter to Three Wives and All About Eve, back all, all the way back in the late 50s, early 50s, can't remember. But I mean, for someone to do that like 70 years later, back to back is incredible. Um, and since then, no one's done it. Um, but yeah, you do see these films made within other films that are more successful. And it's almost a serendipitous moment, you know, like Bruce Willis getting injured or Leonardo DiCaprio was still shooting a Martin Scorsese film. But Yeah, sometimes it works for the better. Sometimes they don't always work out. Like, when they had to wait for Tom Hanks to lose weight in Castaway, Robert Zemeckis went and shot What Lies Beneath, and castaway still came out the bigger film so not always the case so there you go anyway i'm dabbling now so birdman half the time to shoot in comparison to the revenant which of course the case because the revenant had to relocate because they didn't get enough snow where they were i think they were in argentina or something whereas birdman is basically in one building with lots of long takes i think the film was carefully rehearsed and shot in sequence editing only took about two weeks i mean editing usually takes about Two, three months, but two weeks for this film. The film, the, the you know, they the shooting only took about two months as well, and that included the rehearsals of the movie. A luxury not many film directors allow actors to have. You don't really rehearse. You just need to lower your lines and then direct or direct you. But they were rehearsing. I mean, for a film like this with unusually long film intakes, they had to rehearse. Otherwise, God help them. Apparently, Edward Norton and Michael Keaton kept a running tally of mistakes made by the actors and actresses. And it turned out that Emma Stone made the most mistakes with Zach making the least... Saying that though, Zach did make many other mistakes but he played it off quite well enough for the actors to be included so they didn't have to restart the shot so there are some of that included in the film so he was just pretty good at improvising and it worked out uh, well for the scene. But yeah, what a film to revive your comeback, nothing easy, these long takes, thousands of lines of dialogue where your timing has to be on point, on cue of the action and the movement of the camera. I mean, you know, Michael Keaton had to you know do his homework for this movie. Uh, Emma Stone was actually saying on Jimmy Fallon that she recalled how a six-minute take of a scene where Michael Keaton's character meets with Edward Norton's character was ruined simply because she walked around the corner too quickly. I mean, it's very pedantic, but there you go. That's why he won the Best Director. The camera operator was describing his movement and motions as a dancing with the actors. It's very Kubrick-esque, isn't it? And speaking of Kubrick, actually, nothing... <laughs> this is just a geeky thing. Notice how the carpet in the corridors are the same hexagonal patterns as the one in The Shining. That's why it pays to watch old and classic movies. Movie references them all the time. You'll see them in every single movie, even if you don't know what the hell they're doing. Even, you know, as mundane as the patterns on the carpet. Always fun to spot them, though. So, yeah, the film is actually one of Alejandro's shortest movies, actually, measuring only at one hour 59, which is actually still quite a long movie. But I mean, it doesn't sound that short, but his other films, Babel, 21 Grams, uh, you know, which reunited him again with Naomi Watts and The Revenant are all over two hours long. I mean, the film um, only had 16 visible cuts, which is actually quite funny because the trailer had like over 100 cuts of them. So I don't know what they were doing in distribution there, but interesting. So yeah, the film is described as a drama, like I mentioned earlier, but what some critics have chosen to call this is a magical realism, a genre where magical or unreal elements play a natural part in an otherwise realistic environment, which is exactly where Birdman slips into in terms of genre. I mean, term is actually more commonly known in literary than it is in film. However, this film fits nicely into that genre, like I said. I mean, there are a few moments, especially at the beginning and at the end of the movie where these occurrences happen, like his ability to fly, levitate, move things with his mind. But like some film these days, the film ends... With a very ambiguous statement to the main character, so Michael Keaton. Uh, Michael Keaton jumps out of the window just before. I keep uh, going on about Michael Keaton. Do you know his name is actually called Michael Douglas? Um, They had to change his name because there was already a Michael Douglas around. And so he's like, okay, I'll choose Keaton because of Buster Keaton. So there's a really cool fact for you. Um, So yeah, he changed his name to Michael Keaton. His name's actually Michael Douglas, but you know, that's the guy from Wall Street. So had to change his name. Anyway, rambling on again. So yeah, so he jumps out the window at the end of the movie. Now, does he die or does he survive? Do we believe he can actually fly or does he plummet to his death? Now, I did talk about referencing earlier. And if you did catch it, then maybe the clues are in the reference into whether he dies or not. Now, just before that scene, Emma Stone brings Michael Keaton some like lilac blossoms. Now, there's a tradition that considers lilac to be a very unlucky flower, which should not be carried into a house or especially not into a hospital, as it is associated with death. Now, the superstition goes back to when the flower apparently has a powerful scent that was used to cover up the smell of dead people laid in the house. However, we are neither in a home or... A warehouse building i think we we're in a hospital in the last scene um and he's only in a dressing room or a theater so i don't know if that is redundant to that but it does certainly confirm that he might have died when he jumped out the window just simply by bringing lilac fa- uh, flowers into the scene i mean like i said nothing on stage or film is done by accident especially the patterns on the carpet and the flowers you bring in <laughs> But yeah, the whole jumping out of the window is sort of an urban legend anyway. I mean, it's regarding actually another superhero actor, George Reeves, who played Superman in two films back in the 50s, again in the 50s. It was once believed by many that George Reeves jumped from a window believing he could fly like his character Superman. I mean, the truth is he actually died from a gunshot wound, probably self-inflicted too. However, he was very much it was very much believed for a long time. And some still believe it today, actually, much like some people still believe Elvis is still alive, that he jumped out of the window thinking he could fly like his character that he played. So I don't know if that was like a homage to that sort of thing, because they are both playing superheroes. But who knows? I mean, it could be just a a nice little lot there, but we don't find out if he lives or dies. Now, whether Alejandro is trying to say something here, I don't know. And remember, he jumped out of the window at the peak of his career. He was at the top of his game, much like how, you know, Michael Keaton jumped out of a window, much like how George Reeves jumped out of the window at the height of his career. So I don't know if there's some parallels there because, you know, he, Be- Regan actually got, um, noticed a lot more a lot of attention to him because of that um because of his Broadway play and also the attention he drew from walking outside in times square half naked beautiful scene great scene i think that was mainly the scene everyone saw in the trailer just a little uh, homage to sort of social media and its power of influence i think that's a really nice scene there but anyway yeah so that's another reference that maybe he did die jumping out the window the fact is it's left open ended because it's up for us to decide for ourselves the director has left something the audience for us to determine ourselves is the film a drama or is it, fact, a magical realism piece? I mean, Emma Stone's eyes and acting seems to suggest the exact opposite of those referencing, and therein lies the question, does he survive? Well, you have two sides of the argument. I guess the jury will be out on this one for a while, but anyway... I mean, to really understand why Birdman was so successful, you have to look at the pull of the story. And it's hard to pinpoint what it is at first glance. No big action sequences, a movie about actors, no real musical dramatic score, just drums. Some has been, you know, some has been, you know, has been actors. Some hasn't been in the limelight for a while. And, you know, it's about a washed up actor trying to make his mark. I mean, the synopsis doesn't really pull audiences in, but only until after the movie does this, you know, really kickstart the story does it really bring it to life and that's what the film is about it handles and tackles a lot of themes love like most films in some way truth your identity being the biggest one perhaps the biggest one of them all is the difference between success and integrity now it's an interesting one that i think hasn't been taken into films themes films consideration too much i mean become a hotshot lawyer but work 60 hour weeks for a living Lie for a living or work at a small firm and get paid half the amount but you make the difference i mean That's the sort of reality we're looking at there. Or in this term, make massive blockbusters like Vin Diesel get paid loads of money for nine movies in the same universe or get paid, you know, and 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 you got paid millions for saying I'm Groot. So you can have that side of the career or... You know, no one's going to take you seriously. I mean, Vin Diesel's done like nine Fast and the Furious films, paid two, three million pounds for just saying three words in an MCU movie. But no one really takes you seriously. You don't have the esteem or respect. And, you you know, you, you don't have what Christoph Waltz or someone like William Hurt, Anthony Hopkins, Denzel Washington, who have earned their friends. You've earned their friends with critics on stage and off stage. And that's sort of what this film is trying to say here now. Most of these films, these guys didn't earn much, but the work carried. I mean, take Robert Pattinson, for instance. He sort of did it backwards. He was a massive name in Twilight, and then again from Harry Potter. Paid loads of money, posters everywhere. That's the success. That's the Birdman but couldn't live with being known like that. So he wanted to be taken seriously. So decides to build this authentic artistry, much like Regan is trying to do, you know, by being on Broadway. Now look at the films Patterson did after the last Twilight movie. The Rover, Map to the Stars, Life, Damsel, The Lighthouse, The King. Low budget indie making films that are a massive success with critics everywhere. I mean, if I asked you how many of those films have you seen or who's in it or who directed it, you would have trouble telling me that. Because he got to branch out as an actor. And now he's been rewarded. I mean, look at him now. Nolan's put him in Tenet. 10- He's a new Batman. Prestigious directors want to now work with him. And that's exactly the path of an actor. And this film is portraying of the reconstruction of this one guy who had the success like playing Birdman, but wasn't happy with it, wasn't taking it seriously. Like people don't take Ben Diesel seriously. Being the hotshot lawyer or the lead in Twilight isn't what it's about. The film tackles identity in a way we haven't seen simply because we are not rich or famous. Actors are haunted by their success sometimes And they want to create something that will garner them For their creative talent Something any artist will tell you Is much easier said than done But that's the sort of life choices we have to make I mean do we work really hard Uh, do do we do things that are moral but make loads of money but at what cost or do you want to live the simple life and be happy but not be happy if you create it's it's an interesting thing but I think that what this film does well is it does it with actors and I think that's what's so good about it and that's why it won the Oscar but yeah anyways that's all I have time for with Birdman a worthy winner of the Best Picture Award and if you haven't seen it please check it out although not sure why you're listening to this if you haven't seen it great film great cast great director and it's my favourite movie in the 2010 decades of Best Pictures but yes, please subscribe to me on Google, Amazon, and I'm on iTunes. Drop me a comment on iTunes because that's what bumps me up in the charts. And also give me a follow on Instagram and Twitter. That's Film Exploration A H, all lowercase, all one word. But right now, thank you so much for listening to Birdman with Film Exploration with Ash Hurry.